Okay, so last week we got a teaser trailer and news of a new Harry Potter series coming out. Now, Alpha, you've written an article about Harry Potter, asking whether it's too soon. And I just want to understand your initial comments first on, on how you feel about a new Harry Potter series dropping. I've always wanted, as a huge Harry Potter fan, like I'm a huge fan of the books, um, I've always wanted a spin-off series. And I think like with the way that TV and cinema is going at the moment, Harry Potter is kind of like the natural next step for a fantasy world to be brought to the screen again. Yeah. What I wasn't expecting necessarily was for that to come in the form of a remake of the original story. Yeah, so we've got each series dedicated to a book. Yeah, at least one series per book. So it's a decade-long project that we're looking at. So what about having a remake of the original book series are you not entirely keen on? You know, what, what would you have preferred? Well, what I would have preferred is a spin-off that, that came in the form of a prequel or sequel. Um, there's so much lore in the wizarding world, in the world of Harry Potter, that hasn't been explored. So, I mean, you know, I know there's like an endless amount of fan fiction, <laughs> but I guess, you know, bringing essentially a fan fiction to life, like... Yeah. So in your article, you make reference to an origin stories for Dumbledore, as an example. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of... Um, there's quite a lot of reference to Dumbledore's youth, especially in the last couple of books, or in, in the Deathly Hallows, especially. Um, and his friendship that becomes, obviously, a conflict with Grindelwald. I really like some of your, your other ideas around the founders of Hogwarts and the Marauders while they're at school. Yeah, I think the Marauders is a story that fans have been sort of dying for since the release of the books, really. Like, uh, Fred and George are constantly compared to uh, James and Sirius. Fred and George are described as, like, the tricksters of Hogwarts, second only to, you know, Harry's father and his best mate. Um, and, you know, like, in their later years at Hogwarts, they all become animagi, animaguses. <laughs> they turn into animals so they can keep Remus company as he transitions to a werewolf once a month. Uh, so them sneaking out the Hogwarts grounds, that kind of entire dynamic of their friendship can be explored. The creation of the Marauders map, how and why they did that, all of that kind of stuff. Then you've obviously got like the stories that are already there, um, James's relationship with Lily and the, their conflict with um, with Snape, with the young Snape as well. So there's loads to be explored there, and fans have been asking for it for ages. So that so I mean. I don't know why they didn't go in that direction. Um, maybe it's too obvious, but I think there's so many other there's so many alternatives. Yeah, and and do you think it's maybe you know is there is there enough interest for them to have gone down the Marauders route, or do you think this is maybe a safer bet going to just redo the the film series again and and jet, breathe new life into audiences? I definitely think that the um, demand for a spin-off series is there. The Harry Potter fandom is huge and <laughs> kind of aggressive. <laughs> it's uh, it, I think the, the demand is certainly there. Uh, whether this is a safer bet though, I'm not sure I agree with that either. Um, by remaking the original story as a TV series, you're alienating movie fans. A lot of Harry Potter fans never read the books and so 
their experience with like the world of Harry Potter is entirely through those movies and those movies are entrenched and really loved despite quite a few flaws that you'll notice especially if you're a book fan um, so you know remaking them invites a comparison that's kind of sure to fail or it means it's sure to fail um, so I don't know if it's safer I think really the safer thing to, to do would be write a spin-off series write an entirely new plotline um, or explore un- previously unexplored lore in the Harry Potter universe that would satisfy both book fans and movie fans mm. and it's interesting you say that because we have had a spin-off we've, we've had a series of films mm, um, called yeah. Fantastic Beasts uh, which was a prequel to, to Harry Potter um, I mean what were your thoughts on those because I, I kind of looked at the the numbers of, of those films and as, as they went on from 2016 where Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was released getting to The Secrets of Dumbledore which is the third instalment the, the drop off was, was huge mm. I mean there's a reason I didn't mention the Fantastic Beasts series in the article and that's because I don't consider them law. <laughs> oh, I don't consider them canon, rather, is what I should have said. Like, um, and I know that's not for me to decide, but I think the numbers speak speak to that idea as well, speak to the idea that a lot of people agree with me. Um, it was a disaster. So the orig- Originally, Fantastic Beasts was a book, but I'm pretty sure it was a kind of bestiary of Harry Potter creatures or something, because it's... The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt's Commander features in the, in the original story, in the books. Um, it's one of the textbooks that Harry has to buy for his early years at Hogwarts. And he, they actually study it in Care of Magical Creatures, I imagine. I'm not really sure. So Newt's Commander exists, and the idea to explore that is really cool. You know, the idea to fixate on a detail in the Harry Potter universe and then explore it in a more expansive way in a spin-off series is exactly kind of what I'm looking for and so when Fantastic Beasts was announced I was pretty excited um, and the first one wasn't bad to be fair but they I don't know why they decided to try and shoehorn in the Dumbledore Grindelwald conflict into that series like through the um, through the lens of Newt Scamander and, and the Fantastic mm. Beasts series like that's a story that demands like its own its own space yeah it's exactly its own space and I'm not sure why they tried to sort of force that through in a in a Fantastic Beast series it's almost like they wrote the movie and they were like there's actually not enough plot here so we're going to have to rely on one of the more noticeable plots that came before or the more noticeable stories that came before Harry Potter and it leaves me thinking why didn't you just do one cool fun little Fantastic Beast spin-off and then do an entirely new series or movie or whatever on Dumbledore and Grindelwald. It also didn't help that um, those movies were kind of caught up with the uh, Johnny Depp controversy because he played Grindelwald, didn't he? And then I think they had to remove... He was Grindelwald in the end. I'm not actually sure how that played out, Mm. but there was controversy around whether he'd keep the role and... Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of other things that held those movies back, but... For me, I didn't think they were. I didn't think they contributed to the world of Harry Potter. Yeah. In a in a relevant way, or in a way that they should have done at all. Yeah. And Fantastic Beasts marked a a debut for for screenplay for J.K. Rowling, and and she is marked to be heavily involved in this yeah, new HBO is. series. Mm. Um, which which 
brings some concern to me, um, and I'll go into that in a second, but I mean, what, what are your thoughts around her being heavily involved in the new uh, instalment of the Harry Potter series? J.K. Rowling has a vice-like grip on her creation, and I, can, I, I understand it, like, I, as a writer, you know, I understand why someone would want to keep ownership of their work, and I don't think it's, it's not justified, but I do think it's holding Harry Potter back. Mm. There are so many avenues that could be explored, and I think part of the, I don't, I think it's hard to escape the idea that part of the reason we're seeing a remake is because J.K. Rowling is trying to bring even more attention to her original work. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like really milking the Harry Potter books here, or the original story, the story that she wrote. It's really milking that rather than writing a new one. Mm. Um, I mean, there's also some speculation around the idea of kind of washing over the um, the movies because I think she's kind of become distanced from the cast of the original movies now yeah, as well. But we won't touch that on that in this. No, but I mean... I mean help it. <laughs> Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, and Emma Watson have come out in support of, you know, the trans community and, and distancing themselves from Rowling and her from, comments. From her yeah. comments. Whereas Helena Bonham Carter and Ralph Fiennes have actually kind of come out in support of her. So even the original cast is is divisive mm-hmm. um, at, at this point now. And some other issue, well, some things that will probably get a lot of attention when this new series drops are. Um, the house elves and them being slaves and Hermione trying to um, abolish slavery within Hogwarts yeah. and um, a smaller issue of, of the the bankers being small no I don't know if the, I don't know if that is a smaller issue is that still a that to me is much larger than the than the house elves then to personally because I mean you know the, the Hermione and freeing the elves like foundation she sets up spew um that's you know that's kind of a relevant plotline in the books it doesn't make it into the movies i understand why because it's not that relevant really to the story but it 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 does a lot for hermione and ron's characters um and it fleshes out the world a lot so whether that makes it into the series or not well we'll see i'm not i don't really mind either way but the portrayal of goblins <laughs> kind of miserly <laughs> wealth obsessed uh, there's something really really sketchy about that imagining um, for me so I, I wonder if that will be altered mm. I don't know but yeah again these are and, things. and and with like you know the let's say the JK Rowling talons all over this TV series is Hermione going to be black <laughs> Uh, yeah, I imagine she probably well. And how is that going to be received? Uh, you know, I've se- I've seen some comments that you know this series lasts two runs, and then the person cast as Hermione just almost backs out the project. I think you're running that risk, regardless, because it's a ten-year project. You know, you got to get. A, uh, I mean, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and their peers at Hogwarts grow up throughout the books and throughout the movies um, so you've got to recreate that uh, realistically this is going to require HBO finding new young actors who are going to be willing to stick with this project for 10 years of their life Yeah. 
and grow up on screen like Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and Rupert Grint did um, which is a huge commitment and I mean you know Game of Thrones managed it but that wasn't without quite significant recastings happening between seasons and stuff um, and I think that happening to one of the major characters will be a huge problem mm. in the in the TV series you, know, you can't recast Harry halfway through yeah. you know what I mean or yeah. Hermione for that matter um, maybe uh, maybe they will maybe they can and and actually you know talking about characters you, you mentioned in, in the article that the series poses as, a, as an opportunity to rewrite characters that were done a huge disservice in the films yeah like Ron and Dumbledore yeah yeah so the Dumbledore one's a little bit controversial because that's kind of like I know a lot of people really liked my, Michael Gambon's portrayal of Dumbledore and actually preferred it to that of Richard Harris in the article I'm not trying to compare Gambon and Harris at all um, I'm not making any claim that I thought Richard Harris was necessarily better unfortunately we'll never know um, well, we never got the opportunity to see him play Dumbledore in the later years but I definitely think that Michael Gambon did not portray Dumbledore as he should be or as he is depicted in the books at all. Um, he's completely like lacking kind of that the mystery. Um, and I think most importantly, the humour. Like Dumbledore's like really weird. <laughs> he's a total oddball from the start. And yeah. I think that kind of like, he exemplifies the wizarding world like throughout the books us as an audience see the wizarding world as something so like unfamiliar or not unfamiliar but different from the muggle world it's funny you know like a lot of the differences a lot of the the unique aspects of wizarding life are portrayed to you in a really humorous way in a really funny way and Dumbledore exemplifies that because he's like by being so weird himself by being such an odd guy himself Michael Gambon played a generic wizard and he's kind of angry and aggressive a lot of the time and that's not Dumbledore at all um, Dumbledore's also supposed to be really old and frail yeah. and so it really really like it's kind of uh, really surprising when he leaps into action and he yeah, jumps it's very and forceful and direct yeah whereas Michael Gambon's is, is forceful and direct all the time mm. and so you don't get that like significant contrast when he suddenly becomes it's the fourth book when um, Cedric Diggory's just died and uh, Mad-Eye Moody who's not actually Mad-Eye, but is Bike Grouch Jr., pretending to be Mad-Eye, takes him into his office and essentially reveals to Harry that he's actually a Death Eater, he's Bike Grouch. And Dumbledore blasts the door off, comes in and saves Harry, and it's in that moment that Harry says, or, you know, Rowling as the narrator says, that it's the first time Harry's seen Dumbledore as a powerful figure, as a threat. He sees for the first time why he's revered in the magical world as such a powerful wizard and that's in the fourth book you know that's the first time you see Dumbledore leap into action and become a, a you know, powerful wizard I guess it's you don't get that contrast with Michael Gamble he's charging around did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire is the, you know, is the classic line like from way too early all the time Yeah, doesn't work for me it doesn't work Ron is the same um, but that's partly down to Steve Cloves just having an insanely biased towards Hermione approach to making the movies, which is a total not. It's not just done a disservice to Ron, but it's done a disservice to the character of Hermione as well. He shot himself in the foot completely because he's stripped Ron of his character, tried to paste it onto Hermione, and kind of removed what makes each of them unique. Mm -hmm. um, I like so how you say they complement each other in in the, in the yeah. Article. Well, they make they make sense. 
I mean, I won't go too much, <laughs> too much further into the Ron or, or Ginny or any of these other characters that have done a disservice by the movies. But I definitely think Steve Cloves has a lot to answer for, just destroying Ron's character. Um, and Rowling, you know, if she's supposedly got so much creative control over every creation that's in the Harry Potter world or that comes out of the Harry Potter world, like has just as much to answer for by sort of not holding him accountable for those decisions. Um, the, there's a screen Ryan have done a, uh, a clip on YouTube that uh, lists every time one of Ron's lines is given to Hermione. It's worth a watch if you want to sort of, if you haven't read the books, um, you've just seen the movies and you don't really understand what I'm on about in the article. Um, it re That video really highlights <laughs> how much they just destroyed what Ron is there for in, mm. the, uh, in the books. Yeah, so I think we can agree the series does have that opportunity to rectify the the wrongs that were done when portraying the films and writing the films. But also, there's maybe a risk at, you know, changing things that don't need to be changed. You know, do you think they'll change the ending? Yeah, there's been rumour about that, hasn't there? Um, I've heard some talk of um, J.K. Rowling regretting that Ron and Hermione end up together and thinking that it should have been Hermione and Harry. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a better example of an author misunderstanding their own work ever, which I know Rowling will hate because that's the that's the one criticism above all that she can't bear. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. I, and where where's that misinterpretation? You might think that Hermione and Harry make the more obvious couple to to um you know to end up together if you've only seen the movies and you've and you're only familiar with Stephen Close's interpretation of Ron and Hermione. Ron is irrelevant in the movies for by like you know he gets that one moment at the end of the first <laughs> the end of the at the end of the Philosopher's Stone uh, in the chess game, but other than that, Ron kind of just hangs around. Hermione is the active one. Hermione is the omniscient one. Hermione is the one that's always next to Harry and supporting him. And so it, their relationship is is sort of really lent into in the movies. That's not the case at all in the books. Hermione is flawed, and those flaws are made up for by Ron. Ron is a far more supportive character to her, or a support. He's a, he's a close. He's Harry's closest friend, and that's really really like highlighted in the books. You get so many scenes in the early books where. They're just messing around together. You're just seeing them as friends at school. Um, that really builds their relationship. And later on, you see so many examples of sort of loyalty from Ron to Harry. And it, and, and also, there's a huge amount of exploration of Ron and Hermione's relationship um, in the books. And it's you know, them ending up together is hinted on and sort of built towards from a very early point. And it, so it makes so much more sense. I don't know why Rowling's sort of making these comments now about Harry and Hermione ending up together because it's as though she's sort of changed her mind and thinks that the movie interpretation of the three of, of those three characters is more accurate or more akin to what she wanted to do but it's not at all what she does in the books so that those comments really confuse me I also think to a large extent I don't care like why why are we why are we so obsessed with which character ends up with who? like you know there's a, surely they could grow up and meet completely yeah. separate people like, it would annoy me things it wouldn't have particularly annoyed me at all to have never found out that Ron and Hermione stay together or that you know like there's the story that I'm that I'm being told 
and, and, it, and I'm enjoying when I'm reading it or watching the movies or whatever is way more important to me than like who ends up with who 15 minutes after the fact uh, 15 years sorry after the fact you know I also have some other concerns um, I watched Rings of Power this year and although Rings of Power was I would say okay it was quite <laughs> exclusive you know there was a lot of um, elven tongue used within the series which I think probably isolated a lot of fans that you know loved the films but didn't necessarily read the books and and like there's there's an argument somewhere to suggest that you know if you like it that much just read the books but do I think the TV series could be be in danger of that as well and, and we have touched on that before but the Lord of the Rings series Rings of Power has has flopped it's not well received and it is potentially you know it's it's going to have another tv series and it could tarnish you know the actual reputation that lord of the rings has you know in the long run and and i just wonder is is harry potter at risk of doing that as well yeah i think it probably is <laughs> i mean i think it's difficult to compare lord of the rings to harry potter um i think lord of the rings is more gate kept which i think is kind of what you're getting at like it's harry potter is of the two far more accessible mm. to just a sort of you know um casual fan yes yeah, I, I see um and so in that you know i guess harry potter is always a sure thing like millions of people love harry potter yeah millions of people will tune in and watch this tv series no matter what in pretty much no matter what yeah um Whereas, you know, you kind of got to be a bit more of a diehard fan, a little bit more committed to, yeah. to sit through a, um, a, a Lord of the Rings spin-off. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, imagine the backlash that an HBO Lord of the Rings remake series would get. You know, like they, they the re, uh, sorry, the spin-off um, Rings of Power was just that. It was a prequel to the... Yeah, you know, by that's Potter. true. Um, and not a remake and... Peter Jackson's movies, I mean, won tons of awards, are enormously successful. Managed to be really true to the books, actually, given obviously a very limited runtime compared to the length of the novels and all that kind of thing. Um, and you know, like, the, no one would touch that. No one would say, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna redo this now." But I guess you can kind of get away with it a little bit more with Harry Potter because it's it is just a tiny little bit more casual. Um, but the, but the fact remains, you know, these movies, the originals, um, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, they're kind of timeless. You know, I know still know people now that watch them every Christmas, see them as Christmas movies or that kind of thing. Like, they're, they're very entrenched in popular culture and um, doing a remake kind of feels like sort of a little bit disrespectful to those movies in a way. Um, and Rings of Power definitely didn't feel like that. Although, yeah, I mean, I think the viewer rate dropped off completely in that as well, didn't it? I don't think many fans actually finished Rings yeah. of Power, which uh, doesn't uh, surprise me I at mean, all, personally. You know, diehard fans gave up on it. Yeah. Um, and the reason I, I kind of bring that brought that up with Harry Potter, really, is because um, the, the Forbes article that we kind of looked at in kind of doing research on on this article and the subject of Harry Potter actually refers to the fact that the people that made the game, um, Hogwarts Legacy, had to basically promise 
and guarantee to fans that J.K. Rowling wasn't involved. Do you think that was because of the um, the anti-trans comments or because they don't trust her creative vision? It's probably more the first one, mm. the anti-trans yeah. comments. So whatever happens, this series is, is going to be overshadowed, whether we like it or not, by... J.K. Rowling's social media, her presence. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to touch that in this conversation if we can help it because I'm very hesitant to to get involved in that debate. Okay, so even on a smaller scale, you know, you you kind of dodged the question earlier. Hermione Granger, J.K. Rowling came out and said she could have been black. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) So. I fine. I'm going to say it then. (laughs) <laughs> the conversations we have had uh, have always alluded to the fact that the way Hermione was written in the books, there is no chance that Hermione Ca- Granger could have been, you know, a black character. That's how it's written. Yeah. Uh, right. So, okay. It doesn't bother me for a second that a theatre company cast a black actress to play Hermione uh, for The Cursed Child. The Cursed Child bothered me, generally, quite a lot. It's another one of the spin-offs that I'm not I'm not talking about because I don't consider it canon. It was, it was a, I mean, it was awful, man. Like, I mean, come on, like, Voldemort has a child and Harry has a child and they meet on the Hogwarts Express and become friends. Like, come on. Like, it's, it's the very foundation is so cliched. It's, it's impossible to take seriously. Um, but yeah, a theatre company, well, as far as I understand, a theatre company chose to cast a black actress to play Hermione, and there was loads of backlash to that. And Rowling's defence was, well, she could have been black. And that annoys the hell out of me, because what her defence should have been is, why do you care? Like, it doesn't particularly matter. It's a different interpretation on the stage. Leave it at that. If they cast Hermione as a, as a black actress in the TV series, it won't bother me at all. And shouldn't bother anyone because it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe that there's some talk around making Dumbledore black as well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the first image that comes to mind for me is Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I've Samuel genuinely, Jackson. I genuinely saw an article that earmarked him as a potential actor for Dumbledore. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Samuel <my>. Jackson. Ah. <laughs> uh, Okay, I mean, I mean that's going to breathe a really strange life into that character. I mean, Samuel Jackson playing particularly a character that's supposed to be calm and composed, <laughs> extremely just peaceful, doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, yeah, I got to agree. I like. I don't think Samuel Jackson is, is the right choice, <laughs> but. <laughs> but but yeah, no. What what annoyed me specifically about the whole discourse about um, about the ethnicities of different characters in Harry Potter was Rowling's defence that Hermione could always have been black because that is not true. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter is uh, the world of Hogwarts is a very white universe. It was a very white school. There are characters who are not white, and they are referred to as non-white mm-hmm. every time they enter a scene, making all of the characters who are white white by default. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, Hermione's upbringing, Hermione's character—it's based around it's 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 white in ideology, it's white in culture, um, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's this weird obsession that Rowling seems to have to um, 
retrospectively amend her work so it kind of keeps up with kind of modern ideas, which annoys me. You can and it contradicts itself because she'll she'll try and do that for one aspect of her writing, but not others. But, yeah. Precisely, but not amending the goblins thing. Not apologising for that. Um, not really seeming to have anything to say around the uh, the slightly clumsy naming of Kingsley Shacklebolt. Cho Chang, come to mind straight away. And do you think they'll be Padma kept? Padma Patil. Do you think that? <laughs> do you think those names will be kept in the new series? Uh, I don't know. I can see. I can see. Them, it makes sense for them to be changed. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, I, I think we're here now. Do you know I mean, not going to change them in the books. Oh yeah. So maybe, maybe not renaming the characters, but maybe trying to have a slightly more. Uh, delicate <laughs> approach and what, to what, and what does it say if, if they do rename the characters what does they what does that say about the the authenticity and the respect for the work that they've already produced or she's already produced yeah I mean it's definitely a difficult one isn't it because renaming them might name, uh, draw more attention to the to the problematic names in the book but also how do you rename them now what do you call a Cho Smith? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> is that is that better? Like yeah, I don't. You know, it. To be totally honest, I think J.K. Rowling will double down. I think you're kind of right. I think she'll double down and keep stick with the same names. Keep all of the things that some people see as problematic in the books. She'll keep all of those in the series because that's kind of what she does. You know, when she's met with criticism, for for example. Her hateful, <laughs> hateful comments on Twitter. Her response is, or has so far been to sort of dig her heels and slug it out, as opposed to being like, "Oh yeah, mm. um, I'm gonna." Well, you know, and I think her behaviour online leans towards slugging it out, digging her heels in, and saying, "No, this is what it is, mm. and I'm just gonna stick with it." Which again is. is contradicts the Hermione stuff but you know I think she's progressive in some in some areas and totally non like anti-progressive in in, others others, yeah so I've got a tweet for you here that I'm going to read in real time and I'm keen to listen to your thoughts I'm keen to hear what you think JK Rowan's going to do about it in the series Um, so here's the tweet Sirius Black is genderqueer Remus Lupin is trans, Tonks and Luna are non-binary. That's that. The bit before those those statements was someone saying, Harry Potter was my gateway into fan fiction and finding stories that were inclusive of queer people. No single person can ruin the magic we've found in this world. Mm, right. Okay, yeah, you know, I'm not mad at the interpretation. Have it. Um, I think that's really important. I think that's really important in fiction that to understand that the interpretation of the reader is far more important um, than basically anything else. Like, I think real drama exists in the space between the words on the page or, you know, <laughs> the screen um, and the audience. There's the space between the two things. It's, it's create the story in a way, or the drama at least, is created by a, um, a collaborative effort on behalf of the author and the, or the writer and the audience. Um, Rowling doesn't seem to be able to grasp that. Um, she sort of, you know, she'll use her own work retrospectively or try and change things retrospectively or 
talk about her interpretation being the most important because she wrote it, seeming to be unable to grasp the idea that once you've written it and put it out, it's not yours anymore. It's the reader's. Um, it's the, it's, it belongs to her audience. And so this person interpreting those characters like that, finding magic in the world of Harry Potter in that way, um, is completely justified. Mm. And I think that it's a fair argument. Mm. Um, I, you know, whether I actually agree with it or not is is irrelevant because that's not that not, mm. maybe that's not my interpretation of Harry Potter. That's not the magic that I drew from it. But I, I can't say that it's not for somebody else. Yeah. But I'm not. I don't want to touch the Rowling, you know, trans feminist battle <laughs> any any more at all. To be honest, like. Um, if we're gonna sort of get involved in that debate that'll probably require like another article mm. or an entirely different um, conversation this is about this new Harry Potter series um, for me what annoys me about Rowling more than anything is her inability to let its, her work speak for itself Yeah, and it does feel a bit like now that you know the original actors have distanced themselves from her or some of them um, and she's you know kind of like a subject of controversy again it's like she's sort of trying to redirect attention to her work and I wouldn't be surprised if there are ideas in this new series that kind of push through her particular political agenda yeah so down to the key question your article looked at both sides you know the positives to a new series and maybe the negatives but you personally are you happy that there is going to be a Harry Potter series and a decade of them <laughs> yeah, I'm a Harry Potter fan so like yeah I'm excited I'll obviously tune in and watch it I am nervous though there's loads that they could get wrong um, and it you know like as I say it does seem to me that Rowling thrives off controversy mm. um, and it, you know like her protagonist Harry so all sort of faint anytime all attention isn't on her <laughs> so, um, so yeah I, I kind of feel like maybe the justification for making this series is wrong but as a fan yeah I'm going to tune in and watch it but I'm a little bit anxious because there's loads they could get wrong mm. that's what I say I would, it's not what I want I would much rather have a spin-off I'd much rather have original content but yeah looking forward to it mm-hmm. <laughs> hesitantly anxiously looking forward to it what about you how do you feel about this are you i know you're not as much quite as much of a harry potter fan but like is this something that you'll tune and watch is this something you're looking forward to oh it definitely is i um i think for me someone who just watched the films and you know not repeatedly um this is a chance for me to kind of you know get involved in in the hype and and understand the story to a much deeper level i you know i could go and read the books um, but this is a good opportunity to kind of see those stories in detail brought to life. We know what HBO can do with that kind of work, you know, with Game of Thrones, um, Breaking Bad, The Wire. We know what can be done from, from that production company. And, you know, if done right and if the controversy isn't as bad as we anticipate it could be, this could be a really, really successful series. And also, fans like me, you know, the, the, the film buffs maybe become re- even more excited for the, the sequels and the prequels that come as a spin-off to these TV series. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, that's the opportunity they have here. You know, Harry Potter 
the series that you know the last installment of the films was 12 years ago fantastic beast didn't do what it obviously intended to do um but yeah there's a real opportunity here for the series and i think there's a real opportunity to you know bring on an, another huge generation of fans mm. yeah i hope that's what it is too <laughs>